Wake up, everyone. It's time for the Steve Noble Show, where biblical Christianity meets the everyday issues of life in your home, at work, and even in politics. Steve is an ordinary man who believes in an extraordinary God. And on his show, there's plenty of grace and lots of truth, but no sacred cows. Call Steve now at 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Or check him out online at thestevenobleshow.com. And now, here's your host, Steve Noble. Welcome back, everybody. Yesterday, a nice, uh, nice to have a holiday, right? Uh, of course, and it's not just any holiday, Memorial Day, when we remember that uh, for those that uh, paid the last full measure of devotion, which is what Lincoln said at the Gettysburg Address, uh, we honor them, uh, whether we're talking about more recent uh, deaths of our military Members or going back in time, so if that's uh, you, and probably there's a good chance that it is in your family somewhere, we just honor those men and women that paid the ultimate price. So a an important holiday, not exactly a nice day, at least here in Raleigh. It was a pretty lousy weather day, so it didn't really feel like a normal Memorial Day where a lot of people would get out and uh, do their cookouts and barbecues, what have you. But uh, an important day, nevertheless. Uh, Thank you to my buddy, North Carolina House Representative Matthew Winslow, and his kids came with them on Friday. I watched part of that. That was cool. Uh, A great idea. I may bring my son in, our oldest son, Hayden's flying back in, from San Francisco. Uh, He'll be in sometime this evening, God willing. And uh, he's the one that got married back in March. I'm going to talk to him about doing a show on Friday about a Christian uh, living in San Francisco and give you an insider's look at San Francisco as opposed to what CNN or Fox News says about it and just talk about uh, life there, <clears throat> which is certainly different than where all of us live. I doubt that I have anybody in San Francisco listening to the show, so that might be interesting. So you might do that on Friday, but it was a great uh, event out at the North Carolina Home Educators Convention in Winston-Salem. I was out there Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's kind of funny. I thought I was only speaking twice. I ended up speaking four times, which was great. Uh, that's the most effective thing that I can do in terms of generate generating interest in my classes. The, the radio show podcast uh, goes along with that, but I was there for the radio, for the, uh, classes that I teach, the Noble U classes. So that was excellent and had really full rooms all four times that I spoke and uh, in some of the bigger rooms, which is great. And so that that was wonderful and uh, a lot of new contacts there and interest in the classes and a few new students since then, which is great. So just in a, a continued important emphasis there in my life and what the Lord has called me to. Uh, and again, those are classes this fall that I teach pretty much eighth through 12th grade adults can audit them as well. I've had parents for years and just friends and listeners for years. Hey man, is there any, I wish I could take your class. Well, now you can, you can audit them, uh, which would give you access to all the class videos that will record that will film starting this fall. I can't give you the classes from last year because they're all time stamped because I'm always, because I'm on the radio five days a week. I'm always bringing in, the news of the day and breaking news stories. And so that would not make sense if you took any of my classes this fall. I'm dropping references in there, which helps to bring the material alive. But uh, it was a great convention. Appreciate all the folks that came out. Got to meet some some of you for the first time, which was always a great blessing. But if you want to check out my classes, I've extended the uh, 15% discount on my Noble U classes until June 15th. We're also giving away four free tuitions. 
uh, which is either $490, the regular price for a two-semester class, or $250 for the one-semester Christian ethics class, which is very reasonable, by the way, for online classes for high schoolers. But just go to nobleuschool.com to check all that out. Noble U, like university, nobleuschool.com. U.S. history, world history, civics, which we're going to talk about today as, as usual, and Christian ethics. So check that out, but it's great to be back. So the debt deal, Chip Roy from Texas, not too happy. Let's play this clip right quick. Uh, if we have time, we, we might not get through it all. But uh, he's not too thrilled about what went on between McCarthy and the Biden White House. You have that ready? Let's play that right quick. My colleagues, be very clear. Not one Republican should vote for this deal. It is a bad deal. No one sent us here to borrow an additional $4 trillion to get absolutely nothing in return. But at best, if I'm being really generous, a spending freeze for a couple of years. That's it. That's about what you get. And frankly, you're going to make things worse. And my Democratic colleagues know it. That's why they're supporting it. Mm -hmm. That's why they're going around gleeful. Look, there's a reason our Democratic colleagues support this. There's a reason that Mitt Romney supports this. There's a reason that Bill Kristol supports this. It's all the same stuff. There's a reason that our conservative allies are opposing it roundly. The Club for Growth, scoring against it. The Heritage Foundation, scoring against it. Freedom Works, scoring against it. Ron DeSantis, publicly opposed. President Trump said he thought we should default rather than pursue this kind of lunacy. At the end of the day, the only person that would default in this town is Joe Biden, unless Republicans default on the American dream by voting for this bad bill. That is why this group will oppose it. We will continue to fight it today, tomorrow, and no matter what happens, there's going to be a reckoning about what just occurred unless we stop this bill by tomorrow. I yield. All right. So that that's uh, Chip Roy from Texas hitting it pretty hard. And remember with McCarthy, they had this whole for McCarthy to even get the deal as Speaker of the House. You know, they, they can recall him pretty easily. So he's uh, walking a tightrope here. This is from another story today about Chip Roy. Uh, who he was on uh, Glenn Beck's show earlier today. Roy called the debt limit deal with that McCarthy struck over the weekend with the White House a betrayal of the power-sharing arrangement that we put in place. At a minimum, Roy says the deal would add $4 trillion in U.S. debt. It could be as high as 6 by the way. Over the next two years, without any significant spending cuts, that would include what the whole IRS debacle. Remember that? All the extra money to the IRS plus 80,000-plus new agents. They didn't touch that. Roy said that if the deal is passed by the House Rules Committee today, meaning today, Tuesday, then we're going to have to then regroup and figure out the whole leadership arrangement again. One of the concessions McCarthy made to the HFC during his conquest for the gavel was reinstalling a rule on the procedure for ousting a sitting speaker to allow only one member to force a recall vote at any time for any reason. Ouch. We'll see what happens there. So some more details on this uh, quote-unquote deal between McCarthy, the Senate, who I don't even like mentioning Mitch McConnell's name, and... Biden, who probably was a minuscule part of the conversation for obvious reasons. So some more on that. Something from the House Freedom Caucus Chairman uh, Perry. We'll go there. And then who else? Nancy, uh, Nancy Mace, who's actually kind of a moderate Republican. She's saying no on the debt ceiling deal. Some more details about that. Then some uh, tell TargetStop.com, some Target updates. 
and Trump and DeSantis. We'll be right back. Hey, it's Steve. Welcome back. It's Steve Noble, the Steve Noble Show. So the uh, debt ceiling deal fails completely, House Freedom Caucus chairman says. We're here to let you and the American people know that Speaker McCarthy had a mandate from the American people negotiated with a powerful negotiation position of a unified Republican Party, not only just in the House, but in the House and the Senate to hold the line for the bill that we passed. Talking about their the bill that they passed before that didn't get passed in the Senate, of course. This deal that we've heard about totally fails to, to deliver on all of it. So this was Representative Scott Perry, a Republican from Pennsylvania, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. McCarthy told reporters later Tuesday today that he is confident the bill emerging from his deal with the president and Democrats will attract enough votes to pass. Here's what Perry said. And if you want to get into the details, let's just start with the IRS. 87,000 new IRS agents, all the billions of dollars. So a $1.4 billion cut leaving the balance, the balance to be used by the IRS immediately starting at this moment, continuing at this moment, continuing on for the duration of his presidency. So did you catch that? There's a huge boost in spending to the IRS, but then they cut $1.4 billion out of that, <laughs> which is, hey, how much money do you have in your wallet? Uh, 250 bucks. Okay, give me a dollar. All right. Whoop-de-doo. Uh, Four trillion, at least, talking about uh, costs going up. An unlimited debt ceiling increase. Unlimited. Unlimited debt ceiling. And, oh, by the way, puts the incoming president, whether that's Joe Biden or whether that's a Republican, having to deal with it in a lame duck session after the 2024 elections. Absolutely and completely unacceptable, Perry said. Biden and McCarthy reached a deal Saturday on raising the debt ceiling, the resulting 99-page bill called the Fiscal Responsibility Act of 2023. Let's just all pause and laugh for a moment. None of these things are fiscally responsible, <laughs> like ever. Aims to rescind roughly $30 billion of unspent COVID-19 relief funds. Sounds like a lot of money, doesn't it? But $30 billion on a $6 trillion budget's nothing. Completely funds veterans' medical care, good, as proposed in the president's budget for fiscal year 2024, and end the student loan repayment pause in late August, meaning you're going to have to start paying your student loans again. The speaker himself has said on numerous occasions, the greatest threat to America is our debt, Perry said of McCarthy. And now is the time to act. We had the time to act, and this deal fails. Fails completely, and that's why these members and others will absolutely oppose, are absolutely opposed to the deal. And we will do everything in our power to stop it and end it now. But they won't be able to. Here's a little interesting caveat I noticed in this ad, in this uh, article. The bill that emerged from the Biden-McCarthy deal also aims to suspend the debt limit until January 1st, 2025. It's going to be amazing how much debt they pile on. It'll be 4 to $6 trillion in the next couple of years. Keep non-defense spending relatively flat in fiscal 2024. Increase non-defense spending by 1% in fiscal year 2025. And accelerate completion of a natural gas pipeline in West Virginia called the Mountain Valley Pipeline. West Virginia. Isn't that interesting? Joe Manchin's state. Pretty interesting. I don't know if there's anything there, but it's interesting. Uh, Heritage Foundation came out slamming it. Uh, let's see. When Americans last gave their representatives in Washington this much support to rein in the government in 2011, Congress signed into law the Budget Control Act, which cut discretionary spending roughly 15 times more than the deal in front of us today. The new agreement essentially leaves untouched Biden's slush fund for 87,000 new IRS agents to audit American families 
Additionally, this bill could lead to increased overall spending levels next year, potentially giving up on the $132 billion in real upfront cuts promised by Limit, Save, Grow, the other idea. In exchange, this bill would give the Biden administration and the federal bureaucracy a blank check debt limit suspension for two years. Oh, golly. Oh, man. That's pretty scary. Uh, Nancy Mace, a Republican from South Carolina, announced on Tuesday that she would not vote in favor of the debt ceiling. They're going to be able to get this done anyway. Okay, they're not going to be able to block it. Mace, broadly considered a moderate among House Republicans, revealed that she would vote no on the bill because playing the D.C. game isn't worth selling out our kids and grandkids. She also said that the Republicans were outsmarted by a president who can't find his pants. That's a good line. This deal normalizes record high spending started during the pandemic, she wrote on social media. Observing that the normative levels of government spending expanded from $4 trillion before the recession to $6 trillion in the years after the crisis. It sets these historically high spending levels as the baseline for all future spending, which is very scary. The lawmaker concluded that the bill, which is named the Fiscal Responsibility Act, would be a wash spending-wise since the small cut to discretionary spending will be eclipsed by large increases in spending elsewhere, that's for sure. The arrangement would claw back some $30 billion in pandemic relief funds, whoop de doo roughly matching the $41 billion cut from federal spending in the first year of the bill. $41 billion is nothing. When you're spending five and a half, six trillion dollars, forty-one billion is nothing. So don't be fooled by the b b b b b b number. Billions chump change. Okay, got to remove that. That's chump change. If they really got serious, they'd be cutting trillions over the course of ten years. Okay, but they're not. So it's not serious. It's a shell game. They're trying to make us think they're being fiscally responsible. I mean, the Democrats don't care, but the Republicans do. But just remember. When you're spending five, six trillion dollars a year and you cut some billions and usually it's over the course of 10 years, that's nothing. They're just they're, it's insulting if you actually understand. If you understand the size of our debt and the size of a yearly budget deficit relative to these, say, hey, we're going to cut through uh, 320 billion dollars over the next 10 years. That's 32 billion dollars in a year. And we spend 32 billion in two days in the federal government, federal budget. OK. So just remember that. Even though they throw away the, the throw around the B number like it's a big deal, the B number next to the T number is nothing. Billions versus trillions. You have to understand that. Most people don't, which is why they continue to get away with it. That's the result of having an ignorant population. Which is why I'm doing whatever I can to teach high school students, okay? Trying to put a dent in the next generation of ignoramuses, which can be a lot of us too, by the way. I mean, I didn't understand this stuff for a while either. All right. Let's jump over to something that appears to be working, uh, the Target thing. I heard Glenn Beck talk about it earlier today. I looked it up. It was the Eagle Forum that did this. TellTargetStop.com. TellTargetStop.com. I put the links up on Facebook Live and Rumble. So on that one, uh, you you end up sending an email. It, it opens up your email server. And you send an email that you can read yourself and, and put your name on it, change it around, however excuse me, to like t the top 15 executives at Target. I like that. So I did that earlier today. It also tweets at, this is interesting, Chip and Joanna Gaines. Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Waco, Texas. Chip and Joanna, Magnolia, uh, are are big in, in, in league with Target. I mean, Target's been a big carrier of their products. And Chip and Joanna, up until this point, have been silent on the whole trans thing their whole pride display so that's interesting so it it creates a tweet if you're on twitter that includes chip and joanna 
and then a um, another document that you can sign. What are those called? You're all yelling the answer at me right now, but at 57, this just happens sometimes. It's like, poof, it's gone. Uh, a petition. Thank you very much. So that's telltargetstop.com if you just feel compelled to do something. And, and you should. Uh, went into a Target the other day and couldn't find the Pride display at all, which was very interesting. Target down, their market cap is down $10 billion, buh, 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 $10 billion in 10 days. Now, when we're talking about Target, that's real money. When we're talking about the government, it isn't. But for Target, that's real money. 14% stock price drop in about 10 days. 14%. That's a big deal. Telltargetstop.com. Bud Light. Mm-hmm. Some interesting updates there. That's not going so well. I don't think Memorial Day fixed it. And then a few other trans stories that are important. And then we'll jump to Trump and DeSantis. I've been waiting on a war since I was young. Since I was a little boy with a toy gun. Never Welcome back. Steve Noble, The Steve Noble Show. Great to be with you. Okay, Target down $10 billion in market cap value in the last 10 days. That's a 14% drop in their stock price. If you want to send a message, sign a petition, send a tweet to Chip and Joanna Gaines. I just looked on Chip and Joanna Gaines. Magnolia, of course, Waco, Texas, right? They've been silent on the whole Target thing uh, in the entire month of May, which is interesting because Chip and Joanna, you know, they, they've been very careful on that stuff. They're not known for their political opinions. They are known to a certain extent for their Christian faith, although they haven't really leaned on that a whole lot that I've noticed. We all just kind of know they're Christians, but haven't really seen them be too active on that, but I don't pay attention to what they're doing anyway, but it is interesting. So now if you go to telltargetstop.com, telltargetstop.com, You'll find that one that one of the things it does is puts a tweet out there um, mentioning Chip and Joanna in their Twitter handles to say, hey, you guys, like, what's up? Are you going to speak about this? So that's Target getting hammered. A Bud Light still getting hammered. Their sales are down for the sixth week in a row. One store was selling a Bud Light, a case of Bud Light for three dollars and forty nine cents. That's like 15 cents a can because they had to clear stuff off their shelves. Three forty nine a case. That's nuts. Bud Light, uh, Anheuser-Busch stock price is down uh, 16% in the past month. So that's interesting, is it not? So that just shows you the power of the marketplace when this stuff comes out. I did see on Twitter earlier today, which is a good lesson, that uh, somebody put up a picture. It looked like a pride display in all places at a Bass Pro Shop, which I would pretty much say is about the same thing as seeing a pride car circling the track at a NASCAR race, right? I just don't think you're going to see that. Uh, not anytime soon, but but we it is 2023, Steve. Yes, they, thank you. Anything's possible. Uh, but the Bass Pro Shop, I'm like, come on, really? And then I looked that one up, and it was fake. Photoshop. Somebody Photoshopped it and put it out there just to trigger conservatives or Bass Pro Shop people or whatever. And so that's where we're at these days, friend. You need to remember that... Uh, Especially the more salacious it is, the more uh, uh, dainty the morsel is, if we're talking about gossip from a biblical perspective, then the more you should probably at least consider the fact that it might be 100% fake, like that picture of a pride display at a Bass Pro Shop. Because when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, come on, Bass Pro Shop, really? I mean, boom, you're somewhat humble host. 
who's super skeptical. And when I first saw that one, my, my emotions took a uh, first chair. And you got to be careful with that because you just don't know anymore. It's like everything's fake news. Really, really challenging. Uh, Texas legislature passes. Do you see how they're, they just voted so quickly to impeach their, their uh, attorney general, Paxton? It's going to be wild to watch that. That just came out of nowhere. We'll keep an eye on that. I'm not talking about it today. Texas legislature passes bill banning minors from watching sexualized drag shows. Uh, isn't it? They have to pass a bill for this because there's parents. I mean, obviously, there's members of the drag show community that are more than happy to twerk in front of a five-year-old. Hopefully, it's not all of them, but it's enough of them that it's highly disturbing. Even more disturbing is that parents drag their own kids to these shows, I think, as a way of virtue signaling. Look how virtue signaling. Look how open-minded I am. Look how progressive I am. I'm going to show my kids that we love everybody. Really? Would you do that if it were a heterosexual, something normal? Would you take them to a normal twerking show if that such a thing exists? The Texas state legislature passed a bill on Sunday that would ban the performance of sexually oriented shows in front of minors. The state house approved the uh, the Senate bill. If the legislation is signed into law, performers who violate the law could be charged with a Class A misdemeanor and punished with a four thousand dollar fine or one year in jail. Good. Meanwhile, businesses caught hosting such performances could be fined as much as ten thousand dollars. Right, like coffee shops or whatever that have hosted these things over the last several years. The Texas State Senate also passed the bill on Sunday, sending it to the Republican Governor Greg Abbott's desk. Republican Lieutenant Governor Patrick stated that the legislation, quote, prohibits sexualized performances in drag shows in the presence of a minor. Isn't it amazing, friend, that we have to pass legislation to deal with this? Sad. Please, Lord, help our country. It is shocking to me that any parent would allow their young child to be sexualized by drag shows, Patrick went on to say. No kidding. Children who cannot make decisions on their own must be protected from this scourge facing our state. Amen. The legislation would specifically apply to performances that feature nudity or the exhibition or representation, actual or simulated, of sexual acts, as well as the performances that appeal to the prurient interest in sex, regardless of whether compensation for the performance is expected or not. Wow. Of course, the Democrats in Texas go on ballistic, which tells you a lot about the Democrat Party in 2023, does it not? Then there's this one. This is out of Florida. DeSantis law forces furry convention to bar children. Okay, I'm going to have to take you into something that you probably, most of you probably didn't even know about. What's a furry? Okay. A Florida furry convention will bar minors from attending in order to comply with Republican Governor Ron DeSantis's new law prohibiting children at adult live performances. Organizers for the Megaplex Convention for Furries, F-U-R-R-I-E-S, furries, announced last week that attendees must be 18 or older, citing the new law. Quote, after reviewing Florida SB 1438, it has been uh, decided that for legal reasons and protection of our attendees, our venue and the overall convention, Megaplex 2023 attendees must be 18 years of age at the time of the registration pickup, convention organizers said Wednesday last week. Adult live performances are defined in the bill as any show that depicts or simulates nudity, listen to this, this is important, Simulates nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, lewd conduct, or prosthetic genitals or breasts. So why would the furry convention have a problem, right? you got to ask yourself that question. Furries are an online subculture of people who like anthropomorphic animal characters, often dressing up in animal costumes. The furry fandom often has heavy sexual overtones. 
It grew out of an underground comic book genre that depicted explicit sexual content. In 2011, survey of furries found that about a third of the fandom said sex is an important part of their furry participation. The fandom even has the term for sexual activity between furries. They call it yiffing, supposedly named after the sound foxes make during sex. This, how depraved is this? However, other furries insist sex has nothing to do with their interest in the fandom. The subculture is overwhelmingly male. 84% of those surveyed said they were male. Can you do that anymore? About a quarter of furries said that less than, uh, felt less than 100% human. And more than half the furries surveyed said they would be 0% human if they could. So this is basically a group of people who are mentally disturbed. And, and some Romans 1 thrown in for good measure, I suppose. Megaplex has welcomed younger fandom members in their families since its inception, and making this change was very difficult, the Megaplex convention organizers said in their statement. Okay, what, what are you worried about here? DeSantis signed the Protection of Children Act earlier this month. The law punishes, quote-unquote, knowingly admitting a child to an adult live performance with up to a year in prison. Businesses could face $5,000 fine and then a $10,000 fine for a second offense. Okay, so if there's nothing going on with the furry convention, why worry about the law? Right? If there's nothing that could fall under the description of the law, the picture simulates nudity, sexual conduct, sexual excitement, lewd conduct, or prosthetic genitals or breasts, that's according to the law, then why worry about it? If the furry convention has no issues, it's just a bunch of strange people that like to dress up like animals, but there's nothing else going on there. It's like, I don't know, it's like Disney cast members on steroids. But in this case, there must be something going on, and they're willing to say 18 and over in order to comply with the state's law. It's just interesting. Aren't they basically admitting that there is a highly sexualized content to the whole furry convention? And now they're disappointed because they can't get the money from the little kids and perhaps groom them literally or figuratively down this road of Romans 1 reprobate mind thinking. That's what's going on here. We just got to keep changing the next generation. We've already seen that with the LGBTQIA movement, right? Eventually with the pedophile movement. Oh, I can't say that. Sorry. Uh, MAPS movement, minor attracted persons. MAPS. But at least I, I like this story. God help us. This is a good one. I mean, for the most part, I think it's good. Dodgers Clayton Kershaw disagreed with the organization's decision to honor Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Do you have any other videos on your phone? The Los Angeles Dodgers have faced immense backlash for the decision to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence before the team's Pride Night game on June 16th. Their star pitcher is not on board with the decision. God bless you, Clayton Kershaw. A three-time Cy Young Award winner announced last Friday that the team will be relaunching its Christian Faith and Family Day. The veteran pitcher said it was in response to the organization's decision to honor the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Look them up. That's really sick. I think we are always going to do a Christian Faith Day this year, but I think the timing of our announcement was sped up, Kershaw told the Los Angeles Times. No kidding. Picking a date and doing those different things was part of it as well. Yes, it was in response to the highlighting of the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence by the Dodgers. After initially removing the group from its Pride Night event next month, the Dodgers re-invited the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence last week and issued an apology. Oh, we're so sorry. Did we offend you, Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, who like to mock all things Christianity while at the same time dressing up like drag queens? Is that... Whoa, we can't upset them. 
So we'll finish up that story when we come back. An interesting story from my friend Steve Dace at The Blaze. Will Operation Warp Speed stop Trump's presidential bid? Who doesn't want the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to come out to your pride night when you're a Major League Baseball team? (laughs) Los Angeles Dodgers uh, have the, you know, of course it's L.A. So, of course, they're going to have a big pride night. By the way, somebody, I saw this earlier today. What a great point. We have one day for Memorial Day and a whole month for Pride Month. A whole month for the pride movement. And one day for soldiers that died in service to the nation. How warped is that? Said it before. I'll say it again. God help us. Lord help us. Because we certainly need it. So the Dodgers, they removed the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence from Pride Night. And then they brought them back in and issued an apology. After much thoughtful feedback from our diverse communities, honest conversations within the Los Angeles Dodgers organization, and generous discussions with the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence, the Los Angeles Dodgers would like to offer our sincerest apologies to the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence. Sounds like a bunch of bail worshippers just bowing down, doesn't it? Members of the LGBTQ plus community and their friends and families, the Dodgers said. We have asked the Sisters of Perpetual Indulgence to take their place on the field at our 10th annual LGBTQ plus Pride Night on June 16th. Uh, the left-wing group has a history of anti-Catholic messaging and shocking performances. Okay, back to... <clears throat> the star pitcher there, Clayton Kershaw. Quote, I don't agree with making fun of other people's religions. It has nothing to do with anything other than that. I just don't think that no matter what religion you are, you should be you should make fun of somebody else's religion. So that's something that I definitely don't agree with. Kershaw said it was tough to see videos of the way the group portrayed Christianity and that the Christian Faith and Family Day announcement was his idea. As a team between my wife and I uh, and different people that I respect, we talked a lot about the right response to this. It's never an easy thing thing because it felt like it elicited a response. For us, we felt like the best thing to do in response was, instead of maybe making a statement condemning or anything like that, we, uh, we would be just to instead try to show that we do support as opposed to maybe what we don't support. And that was Jesus. So to make Christian Faith Day our response is what we felt like was the best decision. Kershaw told The Times his issue is with the group specifically, and he has no plans to boycott the Pride Night event. This has nothing to do with the LGBTQ community or pride or anything like that, he told the Times. This is simply a group that was making fun of a religion that I that I don't agree with. And this will be the Dodgers' first faith event since 2019 when they do their Christian Faith and Family Day announcement, which I'm, I expect the LGBTQ crowd to push back on because you Christians think a family is made up of a husband and a wife, and that's it. So that's hateful in and of itself, right? So that's where we're at. Pride gets a whole month. Sexual deviancy month. Uh, reprobate mind, Romans 1 month. And Memorial Day gets a day. Which just reminds me once again, pray1tim2.org. That's the website, pray1tim2.org, 1 Timothy chapter 2, praying for those in authority over us so that we can live quiet and peaceful lives. And we need to all do that. Both sides of the aisle, if you're a Republican, you can't just pray for Republicans. That's not what it says. Pray for your party. Let's pray for all of them in authority over us. Because don't they need it? Yes. 
Incredibly so. It's just sad. And so we pray. We pray. We speak the truth in love. We speak truth to power. When appropriate, you bring truth into a conversation, whether it's a neighbor, maybe your own children, a spouse, a friend, coworker, whatever the case may be. Wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We all need to work on that. All right, my buddy Steve Dace on the blaze. Will Operation Warp Speed stop Trump's presidential bid? He's, this is specific to Iowa. Getting Donald Trump to admit his mistakes is the sort of thing that most people by now understand requires nothing short of a miracle. I would agree with that. And as it would happen, a miracle is also what was largely required if you were in the United States military during the COVID coup and wanted to avoid taking the poison poke. Somehow, Iowa State Senator and Air National Guard Colonel Kevin Allens won the lottery on the ladder, and now, feeling like he's got the hot hand, has decided to do what he can to use the Iowa caucus process to turn Trump back from the dark side. Allens, whose late father was one of the state legislature's conservative stalwarts for many years, posted a video on his uh, nascent Twitter account that up until now has largely gone unnoticed. Ironically, just like the escalating excess deaths, whose increase just happens to coincide with the mass injecting of Americans with certain experimental mRNA sacred cow we're supposed to ignore. The video, which Allen's titled, I want to endorse Trump for president, but I need a fighter against medical tyranny, hasn't made anyone click rich off its number of views. However, underneath the surface of all the bravado and poll-driven predictions what the presidential primary is already over, it symbolizes the silent sword of Democles hanging over Trump's presidential aspirations, particularly in a state with a significant medical freedom contingent like Iowa. And they all vote. Allens is probably a name many in the media have never heard of, but he speaks for a lot of people who were caught in the crosshairs of Operation Warp Speed, which Trump has repeatedly bragged as one of his crowning achievements as president. In fact, one of Trump's favorite pollsters, Rasmussen, released a survey back in January that found a whopping 28% of Americans say they personally know someone whose death they think may have been caused by side effects from the COVID-19 vaccines. Wow. Another 49% told Rasmussen they believe, quote, it is likely... It is likely side effects to the COVID-19 vaccines have caused a significant number of unexplained deaths. Biden essentially treated us as a felon for refusing the jab, said Allens, 54, who has served 29 years in the Air National Guard as a pilot. I guess that was supposed to scare me, but it galvanized me and it pushed me to run for office. Allens' hesitancy to instantly support Trump again, especially the reason for it, is one of the major reasons why Trump now faces a formidable challenge for the nomination from Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. Again, Steve is talking about Iowa here. Florida remains the only state in the country that has issued any kind of safety alarm against the COVID mRNA shots. And earlier this year, the Florida Supreme Court approved DeSantis's request for a grand jury to begin both fraud and criminal investigations into the vaccine makers claims and associated risks, which on a side note, by the way, is, n- is something that Donald Trump would never do. He's not going to undermine his own baby there with Operation Warp Speed. No way. Unlike Allen's, is Steve Dace writing. Too many military personnel still have not had their rank, pay, and benefits restored after refusing the experimental genetic serum. Some of their stories are highlighted in my best-selling book, Rise of the Fourth Reich, which he wrote with uh, Daniel Horowitz. Those subjected to the tyranny and tragedy spawned by Operation Warp Speed demand and deserve justice. They have been more than patient with Trump to hear their pleas, but time is running out for the former president to show them the empathy they're requesting. Sooner or later, they are likely to seek justice elsewhere. And one of those places could be voting for his main rival, DeSantis, on caucus night. Quote, it's a matter of how many cards you have to play, and I'm not sure how many I have, Allen said. But we are racing to the point where people have to make hard choices instead of avoiding them. 
So this will be very interesting to see what happens with respect to the 2016 is the election, 2017, 18, and 19, the first three years of Trump's presidency, which I think just about all of us would say there was a lot of excellent things came out of that. And then it all changes when we get to March of 2020. And from March of 2020 to the end of his term, in terms of Operation Warp Speed, handing over much of the control of that uh, fiasco to Pence and Burks and Fauci, and then the resulting problems from all of that, that that's a significant weak spot for Trump. Don't you think? I mean, it is to me. It's really obvious. I, I think he did an outstanding job in so many ways for the first three years, but that fourth year was a train wreck. Now, early on... I, I'm giving anybody the benefit of the doubt. March and April didn't have a clue, really, as far as the public knew of what was going on with COVID. But by the time we get to the summer and the shutdowns and all that mess, and then you have the summer of love and BLM in contrast to what's going on with COVID. And Trump just kind of lost control of it all, which really surprised me. I think, and this is my read on, on the former president, being a narcissist. I think Trump was and probably still is, enamored by the thought of him personally as the president of the United States and the commander of Operation Warp Speed that he saved millions of lives. I think, I think that probably is very, a, a very pleasing thought to former President Trump. Just, I mean, doesn't that make sense? I mean, he doesn't lack pride, does he? And so I think, and and. Dare I say that the vast majority of us would probably struggle with that kind of uh, attention and that kind of um, opportunity where you could sit there and say, man, if I move this quick and I'm going to go ahead and believe what these few people are telling me, I'm going to save millions of lives here. And I don't think any other president in the history of the country can say that. I, I, I do think he thinks like that. And I, I don't, I'm not like jumping up and down on our former president. I don't despise the man. I don't. And if he wins the primary, he'll get my vote. But there are, there are some issues here. And I definitely have Trump fatigue. And I'm very tired of the way he handles things. Um, like Ron, who he now calls Rob. DeSantis, who he now calls the Sanctimonious. I just get tired of the fourth grade stuff. And I know that's me saying this is probably upsetting to you. But with all due respect, I don't care. Your reaction to me sharing what I believe and what I think does not change what I believe and what I think. I don't do it on purpose just to, to tweak you if you're upset at me. I don't. I don't walk in here and go, what can I do to tick off the MAGA hat folks today? I don't I used to operate that way. I don't anymore. But I also have the courage of my convictions. And I'm sitting here at the mic. I'm going to share what I think and how I see things. And isn't that what this country was founded on? We all get to come into the public square with our ideas. We get to uh, come let us reason one to another, if we can go to the Old Testament on that one. And think. Let's all think. Let's be critical thinkers. Don't get entrenched. For a Christian, it's our allegiance to the truth overrides everything else. Never forget that. This is Steve Noble on The Steve Noble Show. God willing, I'll talk to you again real soon. Like my dad always used to say, ever forward. <laughs>